Heavenly Father, we're very grateful tonight to just come into your presence. Lord, to come into a place that maybe much of the world knows nothing about. Sometimes, Lord, even those that are right around us don't even know this place. But Lord, we desire to come to this place. We're asking that the Holy Spirit would be very real. We thank you already for the prayer that was offered by Brother Andrew. Lord, that's a cry of our hearts. It may be a Wednesday service, but Lord, we're not going to make an excuse for that. We're going to say this is an opportunity. Lord, we might be tired. We might be at home. We might be wherever we are. But Lord, we're here to take this and come before you. I pray, Heavenly Father, your anointing would rest upon us all. Even now, may the Spirit speak to the church. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's go directly to the Word. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to turn to verse 24. I had some, a thought that I really was going to go to, maybe not completely certainly, and just had some burdens on my heart about some different things and different situations. And then yesterday I just went for a walk and just to pray and just to walk and talk with the Lord and, and just laid some things. And as I was coming back, this came to me very directly. And that's where I'm going to go tonight. So it may not be like a Wednesday service that we're accustomed to, but... I just want to allow the Lord to have his way. Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. I'm going to draw my title out of verse 25, but while men slept. You may have your seats. I'm going to ask you also to go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. We're going to start the reading in verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom, and five of them were wise and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, just notice the terminology. This is all virgins. These are all a good class of people. 
But there was two distinctions made. Some were wise and some were foolish. The wise made preparation knowing the lamp would be needed in a time. And there would have to be a burning uh, take forth and there'd have to be something there by oil. The foolish didn't know that. They had the same lamp, they had everything, but they were missing one ingredient, and that was oil. So it says in verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. All of them. But some of them were ready to be wakened if the call would come. They were ready for that moment. Let's just carry on reading. Verse 6, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Amen. That's more sobering than we would normally take, but we are living in a most sobering time. Brother Branham would say in the message, Satan's Eden. I don't believe there's ever been a day like this day in history. It's the greatest day. Uh, There's been greater days of persecution when the children of God was put to death on every hand. But to see the deceitfulness of the enemy, we've never had a day like this now. It's the most cunning, deceitful day. And when I see that, it brings the Christian that he has to be more on his toes today than he was in any other age. The devil will set every cunning trap that he can. He's a deceiver. And it would become the most deceitful day. In other words, so close that it would deceive the elected of God if it were possible. I just thank God that it's not possible. I thank God that he has endued us with the means that we need. A seed germ that was planted. Now that doesn't mean that we just say, oh, it's there. You don't know it's there. And, if you, and, and I'll say this, if it's there, you will do everything you can every day, every time to live for God. You don't just sit back and say, well, whatever will be. No, election looks to foreknowledge and it begins to move. Yes. Now, Brother Adam would say, and I just want to take one more with the last day's spirit. In the church age, the Thyatiran church age, we need to guard against the power of sin in these last days. So many are getting so hard because they haven't realized the effect of this last day spirit. Now, I I don't want to just say, you know, this this is not just meant to be a, a rebuke, but on the other hand, it's meant to put us on our toes. And if you are being rebuked, accept it from the Lord. Because this is for me, this is for my home, this is for this church, this is for all of us. This is the Lord that is desiring to quicken us. And I want to be quickened. Now, I, I, I just want to maybe put it in context. I remember when I first was a young, when I was a young child, 
Of course, I was first a young child before I was an old man. But, you know, I, I was first a young child. That's just in case you didn't realize that stuff, but it, it's how it works. So now, so when I was a young child and first in this message... And I remember as a young boy, and I'd go to meetings, and actually it was at, I mean, Brother Irvin Whitmire's. And we'd have a whole room, and there was people gathered around there, and Donnie Bablis was strumming his guitar, and, and they'd sing songs, and there was a worship, and there was an expectancy, and there was something that was real. As a child that was unborn, unregenerated, I saw it. These people were serious. And at the end of the time, they'd sing songs, they'd get down and pray, and they'd call on God with all their heart. And I say, thank God for that. And I pray God would bring that back in a measure, whatever he needs to do. And that's not just the only sign, but that there'd be a reality and a fervency about where we're going and what we're doing. You know, and, and yet over time, things just, you know, I can't imagine what it was like for Noah preaching 120 years. I mean, the congregation knew the text. They probably put it up on, on you know, and said he was going to preach on. I know what he's going to preach on. It's going to rain. But one day it rained. It's going to rain. The Lord is coming. My. I don't want to blow my whole message just in the beginning here. But I'm just sharing with you. The little things that happen so easily. And I, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to need to work my way into this slowly. So just, just stay with me. I want to take this for a moment and give you a, a chronological series of events. If there's one thing that we can learn about history is that we don't learn about history. <laughs> we don't learn from it. It was in 1940 in July, the U.S., uh, or Japan had invaded North China. The U.S. Imposed, tra imposed trade sanctions. In 1941 of January, there was a general named Admiral Yamamoto who began communicating with Japanese officers about a possible attack. In January 27th that year, almost a full 10 months before it happened, he, the, uh, a U.S. ambassador to Japan, he wires Washington and tells them that they're planning a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. No one in Washington believed the information. In, in April of that year, Washington, now U.S. intelligence officers monitor Japanese secret messages. They decode them and they make them available, but Washington does not commute them, communicate the information to the commands in Pearl Harbor. Now, this is nice information just to have. I'll tell you, we're living in an hour. We've got to get the message to our children, to our family, not just as, as coming to this church, but that it gets in their hearts and it gets in their lives, that, it, that it's real. And to everyone that we know. In July of that year, the Admiral Yamamoto trains his forces and finalizes the planning. September 24th, Japanese naval intelligence learns or, or, or request the grid of the exact locations in Pearl Harbor, and it's deciphered by the U.S. And yet seemingly, with all of these warning signals, warning signals, warning signals, they do nothing. I'm just I'm giving you some events here. November, Tokyo sends a diplomat to Washington. November, so he's, he's negotiating with them. November, submarines begin to leave Japan. November 26th, the aircraft carriers begin to leave Japan. 
And, and, and all the while, there's communication, there's talk. You know, and America, to a large degree, if you know the whole situation, really wasn't engaged in the war. It was, there was a war, it was in Europe, it was in Japan, it was in areas, but the U.S. had not entered into it. And there was this thing about, we are the U.S., we are who we are. And, 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 and I'm just saying, it was just a very subtle type thing. Now, when I'm talking about sleep, sleep happens by degrees. Sleep doesn't happen all at once. You know, you can be, you know, just, you go, 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 and then you stop. <sighs> and then you just relax back, or you pick up a book, or, wow. And all of a sudden, you just find yourself nodding. It doesn't happen to you? Okay. Just put a few years under your belt, you'll see what happens. And then, or maybe you just had a meal, and... Oh, I feel full. I feel good. Wow. So it happens by degrees. You know, it doesn't happen all at once. And you can be, and in fact, there's those moments where you're not fully asleep. You're, you've got a consciousness that something's out there. You hear voices, but they begin fading. And, and, and you going into your own place, you know. And so it, it's not all at once. In fact, sometimes that moment Something happens, it can startle you and wreck your sleep. And I hate that when that happens. Because a man loves his sleep. And so, but you know, then there's moments when you get into such a solid sleep. You're there and you're just, you're comatose. You're like, you know, you, they, could, they could throw water on you, you wouldn't even know it. You're just doing, you're wherever you are. So there's various levels of sleep. Now, we're not just talking about natural sleep, but the scripture, when the scripture talks about, arise, thou that sleepest, you know, there, there, there can be a level of deadness, and there can be a level where, I, I, you know, I, I'm ready for it. Maybe you've got a, you know, and, and I don't know if you've ever had that in your household, but, you know, maybe there's an appointment, and, you know, you're aware that, you know, so, so-and-so's got to go for a job interview, and got to wake up at a certain time, or you got to go catch a flight to the airport, and, and you got to do this, and so you're, you're waiting, and you, maybe you think, I hope, I got to wake up, I got to be there, I got to be ready, I got to be ready for this, and, and maybe the alarm goes off, and, you know, bing, just, and, and other members of the household, you know, are, are on edge, too, because they know you got to get out the door. I mean, if there's ever anything you want to be ready for, it's this time. Like, if that's the natural man, what about this time? This is a time you want to be ready for. So it was on November 27th that Pearl Harbor, they, they received a warning from Washington indicating that there could be an attack in the Pacific somewhere. Let's just go right down to the night of December 6th. The U.S. decodes a message pointing to Sunday morning as a deadline U.S. Intel for some kind of action. The message is delivered to Washington. Washington holds on to it for four hours. This was urgent. The chain of command needed to know there's lives at danger. The, the nation, the, the whole fleet, it, it was urgent. Men were sleeping, maybe not figuratively and literally, but, but in, in, in a way, their senses were dulled. 
Friends, that's what Laodicea is. It tries to lull you to sleep. It tries to dull your senses. You know, it, it'll take, you know, and, and you know, we'll take message quotes. And, you know, and, and I, in the last months, while we haven't had a chance to talk and fellowship, I probably communicated more by phone and text and quotes and things. But I don't just like doing it, bang, rattle it off. I like it to mean something. I like it to be real. I like it to be heartfelt even though it comes through a device. And I say, let's not allow ourselves to be lulled to sleep. Are you with me tonight? It's not an average Wednesday night, but we're going we're to go through with it. 7.55 Hawaiian time, Sunday morning. Many soldiers are still sleeping. The first wave of bombers comes into Pearl Harbor and through air stations at Hickam and Wheeler and Fort Island, different places. The attack continues for two hours and 20 minutes. When it's over, 2,400 Americans are dead, 1,200 are wounded, 18 ships have been sunk or damaged, more than 300 aircraft are damaged or destroyed. And it could have all been averted with a little bit of diligence, a little bit of foresight, a little bit of Picking up on the warning signs. Friends, when you go to sleep, there's different things that happen. There's a casualness. There's a slowing down of the senses. There's the comatose that when you pull a blanket around, and you don't want to hear things. But I'll I'll say this. You, You can sleep, but you can sleep being ready for something too. Not just, yeah, well, just... Make, making a habit. I'll, I need to, Ian, I need to take this and, and just take it a step at a time here. Let me just take what Brother Branham says for a moment. Because he references this a lot in, in different things. And he says this. He said, I was reading an article about the attack on Pearl Harbor. It wasn't exactly an unknown attack. He said, they had already been warned. The sad part was they ignored the warning. They had seen signs, they'd seen the army, they'd seen the ships. They were exactly in line for an invasion, but they ignored it. That's the way it is today with the church. The church is in line of judgment, but they're ignoring it. You can't blame him. Now, they said it was noised abroad in Pearl Harbor, and some only laughed at it, saying, you worry warts, you, you think all you think about is trouble. I'll tell you what, that's what a preacher feels like sometimes. Is that all you can come up with? We know it's going to happen. I'll say this. Be thankful for the Holy Spirit that is there to speak to us. Don't be lulled to sleep, friends. This is closer than we've ever been before. Now, Brother Adam, he says, let's look at this for a few minutes. Here's a radio bulletin that goes out. A little piece of corner in the corner of a paper. And it says, Just about like a healing campaign would be advertised. But just a small place. That's how the Japs were headed. He he, he calls it that. He says, then the road in the waters of the sea, a great fleet. Nonsense, said others. Who would believe in such stuff like that? That's the way the devil dulls our senses. The world senses. And we find, as they're getting close tonight, I can see them getting to the place. It's Saturday night. Oh, 
It's a night to party. It's a night to have fun. It's a night to be out. It's a night to do things. Young girls were putting on new frocks and so forth. There was a great big jubilee. The officers of the army were writing passenger passes so the soldiers could attend this party. The trucks were humming with boatloads of beer and wine, and they were bringing this to the party. And all the while, the Japanese fleet was on its road. Now just think, while men slept, what was happening? And the sun began to set, and, there, and, and the bartender was polishing the bar and said, did you hear the rumor? No, I don't believe I did. He said, something about the Japanese fleet coming. And he said, oh, and a young girl bounces in there, sticks her foot on the bar and says, you gloomy-headed warts, don't you know we're here to have a good time and not talk about war? Sometimes you, as a, you can be a testimony as a young person, and people almost mock you for, for just saying, we're here to have a good time. Friends, you ought to be thankful that there's somebody who will stand up and say, I'm a real Christian. I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. There's much he goes on to say. If you want to pick this up, it's in the sudden secret going away of the church. But Brother Van talks about how there's one scene and there's another scene. Okay, let's just go for a moment. 1 Samuel chapter 26. I'm going to use a few scriptures just to move along quickly. 1 Samuel chapter 26. Now this is when Saul is chasing David in the wilderness. And as he comes to a certain cave, he goes to camp down for the night. Verse 7. And David and Abishiel came to the people by night. And behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench and his spear stuck in the ground and his bolster at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. And Abishai, I'm going to just keep moving. I won't read it all. He says, let me smite him. And David said, don't do it. You can't stretch forth your hand in verse 9. And in verse 10 he says, the Lord will smite him. The Lord will take care of him. Verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take take thou now the spear that it is bolster and the cruise of water and let's go. So David, verse 12, took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster, and they get, get them away, and no man saw it or knew it, neither awakened, for they were all asleep. And men slept. Now that ought to have been a warning to Saul. How did David get into here? And if Saul could have caught that the Lord, that where was the awareness I had? And if, if you would have recognized it, my senses aren't what they should be. But yet Saul had disobeyed God and, and he was on a certain path. And I, I, I'm just going to put this in a broader perspective. The church world had its chance at the word, but they turned it down. And when they turned it down, their senses were not what they would be. Their senses about televisions. Their senses about the dangers of the internet. Their senses about things were not what they should be. I'm saying that's the church world. But we can ourselves turn it down. Now look, he says, and and they, they neither knew it for the latter part of this says, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. God allowed them to put to sleep. God can waken you. God can, you know, you disobey God and and your senses are dulled. I'll tell you, I want to be sharpened. 
I don't know, I think it's in Hebrews chapter 5, but it says, having your senses exercised to discern good and evil. Not just saying, oh, I went to church, I did this. No, this is much, it's much more dangerous than that. It's much more about arriving at church and leaving for church and doing your job. It's more than that. It's understanding the last day spirit is deceitful. And we've got to be on our toes. And I'll say this, God wants to, he's here, he's here to help us tonight. He doesn't want us to be drifting. Judges chapter 16. Very familiar, Samuel. Several temptations. The first time, in verse 9, Delilah gives him seven green vines, or, or withs, which had not been wrote in any verse. Verse 9. Now there were men lying in the wait, waiting, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he, he broke through the withs as a thread, and of, of a toe, and, and as is broken, and his strength was not, so his strength was not known. So here, now, now look at how the dullness came to Samson. First of all, you know, it was just a step at a time. He had a Nazarite vow never to touch wine. But where do you find him? In the vineyards of Tamath. Why in the world are you in the vineyards? What are you doing there? Don't you know they make grapes or make wine out of grapes? <laughs> And he's a Nazarite, but just playing on the edge. Not to touch a dead body. Not to have his hair shorn. Those were secrets that the world should know nothing about. They were a covenant with him and God. And here's Samuel, uh, Samson. He does this, drop down to verse 12. Again, she took, Delilah took new ropes and bound him. The Philistines are upon thee, Samson. And there were liars await abiding in the chamber. And he break them. Off his arms like a thread. See, it didn't happen all at once. He still had his strength. But he was already in a position of weakness. His physical strength was there. Everything was going on. The motions were there. But he already had departed. He already had checked out. I, I tell you what, friends, I, I, we haven't had a chance to see everybody. We don't know where everybody's at. We've tried to communicate. We've tried to be there, tried to connect. Because, you know, when, when, when you're all in different places, it, it's hard to, to keep the real bonds of unity amongst the brethren. And there's some that have done very well in this time. There's others that can just slip between the cracks. Just, hey, this is perfect. I don't, they don't have to see me all the time. Is that what you really want? That's a dangerous place to be. Wouldn't you want to be here? Wouldn't you want to be connected? Wouldn't you want to be challenged? Wouldn't you want to say, Lord, speak to me. Don't let me fall in that trap. So now he goes on, verse 13. And Delilah said to Samson, you've mocked me. You've told me lies. You didn't tell me how you might be bound. And he said, if you weave the seven locks of my head with a web. Now listen, it's getting closer and closer to the secret of his strength all the time. He's playing around. Oh, friends, you don't want to play around. You wouldn't want to miss that flight that's going to take you somewhere. You wouldn't want to miss the appointment with the job. You wouldn't want to miss that. You don't want to miss this time. You want to be right with God. Amen. And so she 
Verse 14, and she fastened it with a pin and said to him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And for the first time you hear these words. He actually had fallen asleep. You know how it is when your wife just rubs your head a little bit or strokes you or does something and faith cometh by hearing. Okay. So anyway, so he woke out of his sleep. And, and like you, you see where it's moving to. Now let's go down to verse 18. Finally, he tells her about his strength. In verse 18, And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, Come at once, for he has showed me all his hearts. Then the lord of the Philistines came up with her and brought money into her hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees. She put him to sleep. It had become such a familiar sound. Friends, read Proverbs, if you're a young man, read Proverbs chapter 6 about the ways of a woman that's deceitful, about how she entices you and how she brings you. I'll tell you what, when the devil comes to challenge you, and it's the greatest, one of the greatest challenges for young men and men as a whole, I'll say, if you can, by the Spirit of God, recognize the enticement that Satan has put on female flesh in this last day, you need that. You need that to be an overcomer. Now he goes on to say, she put him to sleep. And she called for a man and she caused him to shave. Look how deep was his sleep now. He had gone into such a level of sleep that he didn't even realize they're shaving his head. This wasn't just nodding off with some background noise. This was a deep sleep. And he says... And she awoke him out of his sleep in verse 20. The Philistines be upon thee. I will go as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Now listen, friends. Spirits don't die. I wish everyone could take heed when the Lord speaks to us this way. But not everyone does. Some people are in this service saying, why did he go into this on a Wednesday? They're already thinking, I got to meet with some friends on a, on a Facebook account. I got to go into social media. Put it aside for a moment, okay? Think about what God's saying to you. Okay? Is that all right? Job chapter 4. Just going to make a few scriptures just to lay this in. Job chapter 4, if you don't mind. This is in verse 12. Now, God can do things even in a sleep. He can speak to us. Okay? He says, now, a thing was secretly brought to me, Job chapter 4, verse 12, and he says, and mine ear received a little thereof in thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falleth on men. Fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still. I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before my eyes. There was silence and I heard a voice saying. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a dream that becomes so vivid, so real, that you know it was God speaking to you. God can speak to you. And then, and he says this, and this is what he heard. Shall a mortal man be more than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he puts no trust in servants, and his angels he, cert- he charged them with folly. So I'm just making a point. Go to Job 33 for a moment. Verse 14, Job 33, verse 14. Pardon me if I missed one. 
There's Sister Ruth, but Job 33, verse 14. Verse 14. He says this. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falling upon him, falling upon men in slumberings upon the bed. So I, I like to go to sleep with a message on. I like to go to sleep with some good thoughts. When you go to sleep, when you've, you, your mind is bombarded, I'll tell you what, you get a restless sleep. Or when you go to sleep at night and it's dark and there's a mosquito loose in the room, I'll tell you what, that's not a very good sleep. Especially when you think you nailed them and then you hear it again. Oh, man. Just saying. <laughs> it's like they're possessed right now. Like, <laughs> my goodness. Anyway, so here, how did I get so sidetracked? And he says, in verse, in verse 14, 15, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. So God can use these things. I'm going to just move this along into a couple of places. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2. Let's pick it up from verse 2. Sorry, I gave you 3. And it came to pass at a time when Eli was laid down to his place. His eyes began to wax dim and he could not see. Now, Brother Bannon would liken this, and he would liken it to the old church. He would say, the old church had had its way, it had its course, it's, it's doing what it's doing. And, and he says, Eli represented it. But God was going to do something while he was just getting into a sleep. God was going to do something. So he says this in verse 3, And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, and where the ark of the Lord was, and Samuel lay down to sleep, and the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here am I. He was ready. He heard it. And he goes running to Eli. He says, here am I. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So Eli didn't hear it, but Samuel heard it. Now listen, he goes on further and he says, and, and he says, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose, went to Eli, verse 6. Here am I, thou callest me. He says, I didn't, I didn't call you. Lay down. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel for the third time. And he rose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Now it took a while, but it was a, it was a calling in the middle of all of this. Now listen, Eli, he, he couldn't quite, and again, as Brother Adam would I think in, he spoke it in the message, in, in, in the voice of God in these last days. And he speaks about it. He says, and he says, Eli was dimming. He wasn't catching. He wasn't hearing. It wasn't there the same way. And he's liking it to the churches. Now, I, I don't want to be founded on a past move. I don't want to be founded on this is what we believe, this is who we are. No, I want it to be fresh. And, and Brother Adam would speak a message. What house will you build me? He says the message ought to be the flame of the hour. It ought to be the zeal of who you are. And in fact, Brother Adam said, I wish I could go back to when I was young again. When I had that freshness, that zeal of God. I believe you can have it. Friends, the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. You can have that refilling every day. Don't wait for a rapture. Don't wait for a one-time change. You can be refilled every day. You can enjoy God. You can rejoice in the presence of God. Don't settle for less. 
Brother Bannon would talk about America. It's at its lowest ebb right now. The gospel has been preached from shore to shore. Signs and wonders, and they go on in their reverie, drinking, ignoring. He'll go on to say in, in the message that I referred to either the sec- sudden secret going away. I'm afraid if the church is so took up and drunken with the cares of the world, they're going to be asleep at the post of duty at the coming of the Lord. I need to put this in some perspective. March 17th, I believe, was when we had our last full day of services here. The evening service, Brother Max spoke. The Spirit of the Lord poured out and God dealt with hearts and lives. I thank God that he gave us that. Since then, because of a virus, they shut down hospitals, schools, businesses, churches, because we've got to protect the people from a virus. It's an emergency. Contact was minimized. Recommendations and fears, rec- recommendations became realized with more ironclad restrictions. When I came back from Florida, my wife, we were recommended to self-isolate. Then it became, you must self-isolate. And you must, and, and it's good. And we obeyed, and we still obey. Travelers had to wait for 14 days, and, but sometimes this was based on a worst-case possibility, not a real analysis. We became used to going shopping and waiting in line outside, going to banks and waiting and and we, we, began, we began to be used to being separated. You know, we couldn't have weddings. We couldn't have funerals. We, we began, and you know what? We accepted it because there's a virus out there. Decisions were made where health restrictions became very well known. And in some cases, I'll say that It was beyond the health restrictions, but it preyed actually upon the public perception more than on the health restrictions. We became familiar with Zoom or online streaming, and we, if you'd go in the world and you'd look at the statistics, movies and subscriptions to to online entertainment skyrocketed. Pornography has gone through the roof. YouTube and Facebook would post thousands of different things. And, and as long as you towed the line with what the government's saying, it was on there. But the minute you didn't, it was off. We've seen restrictions start to lift. We've gone from 50 to 15, back to 50, and, and we're praying and we're looking for more. And, and they're telling us there's going to be a new normal. There's going to be get used to not being able to come together like you did before. And it's a rhetoric, it's a narrative that's being continually put before us. Continually being put before us. Continually being put before us. Matthew 13. God sowed, you don't have to turn to it, it's our scripture we read. God sowed some seeds, but an enemy came 
while men slept. Friends, seeds are being sown. And if you believe the thinking, and you allow yourself to believe the thinking, without a balance of a Holy Ghost prayer life, you're going to get swept into something. I'm not saying that we're, just let me, let me finish. Some of you are getting scared of where I'm going to go to. No, I'm not going to utter a rebellion. That's not what I'm here for. I'll tell you this. Politicians have done their job. Healthcare workers have done their job. The media has done its job. But we're the church of the living God. Have we done our job? Have we just accepted what's going on? Or have we prayed? Lord, we're here. We want to see the Holy Ghost. We want to see you move. We want to see you go. Or are we being lulled to sleep? Friends, this is what happened. This is what came to me as I was walking. And it grieved me. And I said, oh God. And I don't believe we have. And I, I'll just say this. We as a church have been diligent. And I say, God bless Brother Tim Nunwiler. God bless Brother Jared. God bless our trustees. God bless our, our, our deacons. The ministry, we've had meetings, we've consulted. We've done what we can to have church, to have a connection. And I believe it ought to be more than just the elders and just a form, but it ought to be our hearts saying, oh God, may you move in our midst. I don't want to be lulled to sleep. Does that mean, Brother Ed, we're going to pack them in here? No, we're going to listen. I don't have to like it. I don't know, but I'll agree with it and I'll go with it. But I'll say this, I'm looking for more from God. Amen. Brother Bannon would tell us, and he would say this, Satan knows the original church at Pentecost with the power of God, Mark 16, in action is the true church Jesus claims as his own. All else is false. The Antichrist spirit, the book of Revelation shows, the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it, making it lukewarm. In other words, lulling us to sleep. This is the new way. This this is the new normal. Pardon me. There's There's a scripture in the Bible that says, assemble yourselves as you see the day of the Lord approaching. That was written to an early church that did not have buildings like this. That was written to a church that didn't have regular services where everybody could connect, but they moved from house to house. Wherever they could gather, they gathered because it was in their hearts. Pardon me if I'm saying, I'm happy that we can stream. I'm happy we can have the numbers we can have, but I look for more of God. Church is not about sitting on a couch, not standing to sing, not even praying, not even responding, not even worshiping. If is, I'll say this, have we been lulled to sleep? 
I'll say this, you need to be diligent, if not here, in our homes. We need to say, we have gathered for church. We are here to serve the living God. Not just to, just, I'll, I'll just check this church out. I'll check that church out. I'll check, you know, and we cherry pick. Oh, this looks like a good service. Have we allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with us? I told you it wasn't our usual Wednesday. We've watched in frustration as the open restaurants allow food service, allow things to happen, allow abortion clinics, allow liquor stores to be called essential services. And we're not. If your spirit in you isn't grieved, friends, let it be stirred up tonight. Let it be awakened. An enemy has come while men slept. Hey, listen, I, I, the narrative was not a p- church persecution, but it can easily slip into that by planting some seeds and allowing us to be lulled to sleep. Let's be on our toes. Let's be praying. Let's be looking for God to move. You know what? Because we are who we are, we accept it. Yeah, that's, that's what it says. Sure, our flesh likes it sometimes too. It's more comfortable to sit at home on a nice couch. I'm, I'm going to say this. As restrictions ease, I, I'm, not, I'm not so concerned about a virus. I'll do everything to be responsible. I'll do everything. I had to go to a meeting. I wore a mask today. I did what I had to do. I'll do those things. But what I'm concerned about is as it eases, we ease. Brother Harold said this really well at the beginning. He said, the church has never suffered when there's some persecution. In fact, the church has thrived. But the devil, when he can come in and just, oh, it's going to be easy. You know what? You won't be able to have regular services for another year now. It could be. I don't want to settle for that. I, I don't want to. I want to have a prayer meeting. I want to see baptisms. I want to have communion. I want to shake hands. I want to be a Christian. And I think we can pray and we can seek God. And if the Spirit of God is in us, there ought to be something. Move, oh God, Move. Move. But we comply. As I said, politicians, news media, enforcement, they've all done their jobs. And even some churches have said, you know what? Yeah, let's just take the easy road. Tell you what, it would have been a lot easier just to shut it all down, not have to spend the time cleaning. And it may be easier already. Maybe it's this way in our minds. You know what, I kind of like this sitting at home. I don't have to pack the kids up. I don't have to get in the car. I don't have to do these things. You know what, this is kind of nice. Be careful. Be careful. We've done all we can. And I'll keep doing all I can to encourage you to get in the word We've got message books. Use your time. 
Bible said in, I think it's Ephesians 5, awake, awake, and redeem the time. We've done all we can to fellowship. God bless the deacons. They've been trying to connect. Brother Jared's been connecting with people. We've been doing all we can. We've had additional youth meetings. We've had more contact. We even put photos of you up here. My, some of you in earlier years and some of you in current years. But your photos were up. Behind the scene, there was a lot of stresses. Because we're, we're trying to find the right balance. Oh, maybe it's just easier. Let's just have, you know, one service and we'll just do whatever. I'll tell you what. What would you do if the ministry said, yeah, you know what? Let's just go for Sunday. That's the main service. That's enough. Don't show up. You wouldn't want that. You wouldn't expect that of us. You would demand more of us. Amen. Should we not demand more of ourselves? Amen. Hey, I, I, I don't need to tune into every service. I, I can listen to this. I can. Shouldn't we demand more of ourselves? Lord, I want to be awake. I want my senses discerned to know good and evil. Some observations. We said government, in their zeal to protect us from an unknown virus, go into the biggest overreach and overreaction of spending budget in history. Something's being sown. We've seen doctors, and believe me, there's doctors that have worked hard and nurses and healthcare workers, but we've also seen hospitals that are empty. And people who would normally have had operations can't even get in. We've seen the media base so much of this on a worst-case scenario, provided narratives that have, I would say this, created more anxiety, more fear, and paranoia than maybe it was even realistic. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a politician. I'm not these things. We've, we've, we've heard conspiracy theories. I'm not any of these things. But I am a minister of the gospel. Amen. And my spirit saying, even when I see myself, Lord, take that out of me. Take this laziness, this slothfulness out of me. I don't want that. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for my family. I want us to be a, a true Christian. I'll tell you what, there's another virus that we got to be worried about. Our flesh loves comfort. It likes it likes to find things that are easy and more comfortable. And, and, and it likes to find those things. And it's so easy to let that virus take us over. It's so easy just to drift into, ah, oh, let's see what's new on the latest social media. Let's go see what's that. Instead of being, maybe coming to a service where an evangelist speaks to you. Or maybe where something comes and you can pray. And you're quickened or somebody sings a song or somebody does something. God knows those things are needed. I thank God for the online services we've had. I thank the brothers for everything they've done. It's not been easy for some of these brothers. I think we need to thank them. And as much effort as they've put into it, I think we need to put the same effort into not just saying, oh, that's nice. No, I think we need to say, I'm committed to what they're committed to, what God has committed us to. Amen. 
We live in a society where there's drugs, where there's alcohol, where there's, these are things that deaden the senses. And one of the greatest viruses is spiritual sleep or slumber. While men slept, an enemy tears, so tears. Sleep, if you take it in the Bible, can be in a natural way. If you take sleep, and I just, where the hell did I write? Okay. Sleep slows our response time. I'll tell you what, if you've been feeding on the word and you see something rise up, somebody says a word, it catches you. But if you've been in the entertainments and things, something can pass by. Oh, yeah, that's nice. It slows response time and reactions. It decreases awareness. It impairs our judgment. Now, so when the Bible actually talks about sleep, we can say it's a, it's a, it's a natural thing, but the scriptural, it's actually a symbol of death. It's actually a negative symbol of laziness. It actually can endanger us. You know, they, they say, you know, don't drive under the influence. That's not just drugs and alcohol, but that's under sleep. One second can be have hazardous consequences. One second. Not just for yourself, but for others. It can endanger us. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 in verse 11, it says, Now... That knowing the time, now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. Why is this language written this way? Because the human, the human nature is to slip into something. He said, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead. Something like trying to wake a teenager on a weekend morning to cut the grass. Just a good scripture to post on their wall or maybe put on the loudspeakers in front of their room. Awake thou that sleepest. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. A Christian has to be more on his toes. Matthew chapter 13 talks about the parable of the sower. Well, it's actually, the part we read in, in verse 24 is the parable of the tares. It's the sowing of seeds. And while men slept, they woke in the morning, and they could tell because they'd sowed the seeds. They knew there was something not right about the way this all was. But earlier in that chapter, it talked about the parable of the sower. 
the types of ground that it would go into, ground that would, would not be distracted, ground that would not be trampled on, ground that would, was a certain type of ground. It had to be that way in order for things to grow in it. And these tares would, would, would come and grow in this, and it talks about how that was a condition. These tares would come up under the cover of darkness. There they were. And they were growing, and, and, and this lethargy, not to deal with it. Now Jesus actually gives the example and says, you'll see these tares growing up in the church. And they're there, and he says, don't pull them up, because you're going to root out some good. But I'll root them up. And he actually comes to the end of the verse, and he says, I'll gather the tares first. What will he do with them? He will gather them for the burning Oh, friends, let's keep our spirit clean. I, we can deal with the tares in our own life. Now, here's the thing. When they started growing, those tares started growing. Wild man slept. You know, you couldn't tell a difference between the wheat and the tares in their, in their infant state. You couldn't actually tell that they were there. And, 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 it was, and, and, and in fact, as they grow and as they come to a certain place, it, it's not so easy to deal with them. You have something, you know, you have a little bit of a spirit that gets on you and you find yourself consumed by something and you find yourself addicted to something. It's not so easy, but you want to deal with it. You want to root it out. Lord, get this lethargy off this me. Get this drowsiness off of me. Get this insincerity off of me. Lord, I see it's going to take me sideways. Proverbs. What was the last one I gave you there? Proverbs 24. Go to the last one I think it is. Proverbs 24. I had lots of different scriptures, but I'll just take a few. Proverbs 24, verse 27. Prepare thy work without. Make it fit for thyself in the field. Afterwards, build thine house. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without a cause, and deceive not with thy lips. Proverbs 24, now to verse 29. Say not, I will do so unto him as he hath done unto me. I will render to every man according to his work. I went by the field, talking about a ground condition. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Now we're talking about a natural land. What about our spiritual land? Has maybe the time away from church caused us just to be a little more settled and comfortable? You know, let's, let's eat supper while we're watching church. Let's, let's go do this or let's, you know, let's go do something else. Or have we lost something? It's time to rein it in. It's time to pull it back. I, I, I want to be real. I want to be sincere. And I saw it and I considered it well. I looked upon it and I received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, just a little more casual about the approach. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth or traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. I don't want to go in that condition. I felt the Holy Spirit was speaking to me yesterday, and I feel he's speaking to us today. I know not everybody might want to receive this that well today. There may be some right now that are saying, oh, I can't wait till 9 o'clock comes. 
I gotta make a phone call, I gotta connect with people, I gotta do this. I'm gonna ask you a question. Is the Lord speaking to you? William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. He said something very profound. And he was in 1917 or whatever it was. The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God and heaven without hell. William Booth, the chief dangers. That's exactly where we're at. We need to arise, shake ourselves. I'll wind down with this story this this evening. Brother Branham talked, and you know the story well. And he's in 1965 in the message Thirst, and he, 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 he referred to it, but he says, I keep coming back to this story. I read it one day, and it's always stuck with me. A prospector went out prospecting for gold. He struck a rich claim. He went back to the city. He got to thinking, my troubles are all over. And he says, tomorrow I'll get in there. I'll, I'll have all the gold. I'll have big sacks with it. And he had a dog with him. And he says, now I'm not comparing the dog to the Holy Spirit, but I'm making an illustration. That night, the prospector laid on his bed. Tomorrow I'll take my gold in. I'll become what I've always wanted to be. I've always wanted to be a rich man. And this dog began to bark because there was an enemy approaching. And he went out there and he said, shut up. And the dog quietened down. And he no more got in bed And he started like he was going to sleep. And there it started jumping again. Just like those mosquitoes last night. They were buzzing. It was bugging me. It's okay. And he went to the door and he said, shut up. Tomorrow I'm going to be a rich man. And the dog started barking again. Finally, he got up so discouraged and he went and got a shotgun and killed it. He said, I don't have no more use for you. Tomorrow I'm a rich man. And he put the gun in the corner and he went over his to the door and he went to sleep and while man slept there was a man that had been following him for days he slipped in and he killed him see the dog was a warning buzzer that was telling him his life was at stake brother sister he says don't ever try to hush that holy calling in your heart by joining a church, by citing a creed. There's only one thing that can satisfy it. That's the person of Jesus Christ. As the heart pants for the water brook, so my soul thirsts after thee, O God. See, there's something in you that wants to see the moving of God. Your soul thirsts for it. Don't stop anything short of it. I will respect everything the government puts forth, but I will also pray with all my heart that God's kingdom 
would come in power, that the Holy Ghost would come, that he would not take, the enemy would not be able to take our separation, that he would not grab a young person and cause them to be swept off, that he wouldn't take families and separate them, that he wouldn't cause division, but I'm praying that the Holy Ghost can have his way. That's my desire. That ought to be our desire. Don't just accept it, but get on and you can make a difference. We've already seen God. Brother Tim searched out with the health authority. They got us a, a way we could sing. It was a month or six weeks later before they enacted what we were able to do. God bless you for that, Brother Tim. Brother Jared's done things. Others have done things. We have tried. I say this. The Holy Spirit in us wants to move. And we need to move with him. Don't accept what's being sown in the world. Let's have the musicians come. Last scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety. Tell you what, it doesn't look like that right now. Then sudden destruction comes upon them. As travail upon a woman with a child and they shall not escape. But you brethren are not in darkness. That the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and the children of the day. And we are not of the night nor of the darkness. Verse 6. Our last admonition. Therefore, let us not sleep. As do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Let's stand together. That was on my heart. And I'm, I know that when you say a message like that, somebody who's maybe in a more of a natural level, that's not what we want to hear. There's something inside that we need to feed. And I just want to encourage you to give room for him. Give place for him. Allow him to come and, and, and find a place that he can dwell and that he can do things. I believe, friends... God can change the hearts of the laws of the land. He can cause a vaccine to be found that will allow us to be back in church. And I'm not just looking to be back in church for the sake of being back in church. I'm looking for the rapture. I'm looking for the Holy Ghost. Where we left off, I'm looking for him to continue. How many can say that's really your desire? That's my desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is my desire, if we can sing that. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. With all I have 
spoken wherever you are right now this is a time don't let the enemy come and plant something if God has let something drop in your heart right now wherever you are you make yourself a little altar with God make yourself a little prayer place right now begin at this moment don't wait I'm not making an altar call I'm not doing anything but I'm just saying wherever you are right now whatever God spoke to you don't worry about who's around you but whatever he spoke to you act on that receive that he'll receive you it just takes a moment. Turn your heart. Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, have your Fire of God, burn on. Burn on. 